We have been in a series on Ephesians. And in the series on Ephesians, I know we are, we are bringing it to a close today, which I know is very sad for you, but uh, I've, I've taught everything that I can for the last, this is the 13th week, 13 weeks. I've never done anything for 13 weeks, never, 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 never. And so I will tell you, I am glad that I am finishing with Ephesians and moving on to the next thing, okay? When I know what that is, I will let you know. It will be by next week though, I promise. No, I'm kidding, I already know. I'll tell you at the end. Um, But we've been talking about, in Ephesians, about what Paul has been teaching us is who we really are. And the question that we've been asking is, who do we think we are? Who do we think we are? Or individually, who do you think you are? And Paul goes on to tell us in Ephesians, well, this is who you are. You are, we are, and here's just a recap of the talks that we've done, that we've talked about. We are his children. We are his saints. We are family. We are kings and queens. We are alive. We're unified. We uh, are reconcilers. We're slaves to Christ. We're a gift. We're built, um, we're built for relationship, and we are loved by the Holy Spirit. We are led by the Holy Spirit. And last week, we talked about being filled with the Spirit. We talked about you know, headship and submission and love, how much, how important it is to love, and that these are acts that demonstrate that we are filled with the Spirit. These are the things that it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. Now, I know what you're thinking, man, that is amazing. That was amazing, Aunt Link. Thank you for teaching us that. I love all those truths. I believe all those truths are true, but the problem is, is we really don't, we really don't live like all these things are true. We struggle and I don't think we, mean, we don't mean to live like they're not true, but I just think we kind of forget that these things are true about who we really are, right? And, and, and so what happens is, or we might think, well, I mean, what's the big deal? I mean, what, I mean, what does it really mean that I'm a king or a queen or that I'm a saint? Well, I mean, what does that really mean that I'm, I'm like this person in front of Christ? I mean, what, what's the worst thing that can happen? Oh, I, I, I get a little, feel a little guilty, a little shame. I let the enemy in. I feel a little condemned, a little upset about something when it goes wrong. I mean, really, what does it matter? As I, I mean, that's how I think about things that I hear. I'm like, that's really good. That's really amazing. But then the way I live uh, is, is maybe a little bit inconsistent. And I think that if we live inconsistently from the things that we have been taught or the truth or been taught the Bible teaches us, again, I, I don't think like there's this flagrant, I'm going to be disobedient, but I just think we forget. And we also kind of, I think we forget that we're in a, a spiritual war. And we think that our goal is kind of just to make it through this life and get to heaven, as opposed to, I mean, Paul is talking to the, the church in Ephesus for the purpose of growing the kingdom of God. And he ends this final chapter with a chapter on spiritual warfare, like saying, this is what it's really about. And if we believed, if we really understood that, yeah, this was a spiritual, this is a spiritual war. Like, I need to really pay attention. This is really serious. You know, I have a friend of mine, a friend of mine, we used to work out together. And um, I obviously work out more than he does. But um, when we worked out together, we would do like, we did like P90X and I did, I did P80X. But, um, and we would do all these different workouts, right? And he's younger than me and uh, he's a good friend. And if you'd miss a day or two, it was kind of like, eh, well, who cares? What's a day or two or a week? You know, I mean, that's okay. I mean, I just don't look as good as I look, you know? I don't, maybe, I'll probably feel the same, but I won't even notice that, right? Right? Okay, well, this is what happened. So this person, 
he becomes a police officer, right? He becomes a police officer. And, um, and, I, and, and, and I see him after he's been a police officer and he's moved into the SWAT team. He's doing all these things. He's an old joker too, okay? So he, he's like the oldest guy ever to carry a badge, I think, in, in the United States, as far as I know. Anyway, so I see him after he's a police officer. I see him after this. And he is like fit, fit. I mean, fit like I used to be two weeks ago, right? Or before Christmas. Um, but I mean, he is strong. He's fit. I mean, I mean just... I'm sounding awkward now, but I mean, he looks good. He's looking good. And I was talking to him. I was like, man, you're not, you're not missing workouts at all now. He's like, yeah, because my life depends on it. Because every day I go out, there's a chance, a good chance, that I'm going to have to fight for my life using my strength. See the difference? If we believe that the things that God's teaching us in the word, if we believe those are true, if we believe that we're in a spiritual battle, then we would not miss a Sunday. We would not miss a teaching. We would not miss a word. We would know the word of God. We would know the truth of God if we really believed that it was this serious, that it was a life or death matter. You know, um, I was thinking about how to frame this, and I felt like the Lord said, you know, that what I do on Sundays when I come and teach, um, I'm not qualified for. And there are a lot of pastors and preachers that are, are much better than me. And, um, and I wouldn't maybe even choose it some of the time. But what I've come to learn is that um, at River City Church, there's no one who can do it as well as I do. And there's no one that God has chosen in the world to do it but me. And so this is what's happened. is that God has entrusted me to share with you an action plan of spiritual battle in a way that when we hear it, we receive it, we have to obey it. Now, this also means this, is that if you miss a Sunday and we're saying we're going in this direction, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to listen to Tim Keller this week. Well, guess what? I would rather listen to Tim Keller this week. Or I would rather, you know, listen to Bill Johnson. I would rather do these things. But you can look at it all like this. We're like a platoon, okay? There's this massive battle going on. There's this war going on, right? And we're a platoon in this war. And I am the platoon leader, right? So Christ is the general, whatever. But for whatever reason, not because I'm smart, not because of any other, you know, he just called me. I got here first. I'm the platoon leader. He tells me, Antley, this is what this platoon is supposed to do. This is what you're supposed to teach on. This is what they need to know. If, if you're going to be effective as a platoon leader, then you need to teach them this. Because this is what you're doing in the, in, in the scope of everything that I'm doing in Jacksonville and the world, right? And so, and so again, I want to be careful. About how, you need to know that I have a unique authority and power when I bring the word to this church. And more importantly than listening to any other teaching during the week, it is most important that you listen to the teaching at your own church. It really is. Because if you don't, you're going to go off on a tangent that is good, but it's not God. It's not what God's doing here. And so we're in this book of Ephesians. What are we talking about? We're talking about identity. We're talking about reconciling. You can't have offense in your heart. We have to be unified. All of these things. This is what our church is dealing with right now. This is what we need to be learning and growing in. And so when I narrow this down today, and we're going to nail Finishing Ephesians 6, it's with the intention of being equipped, being prepared as a platoon, as a church, to engage the enemy, to engage the enemy. 
All right? And so, and, and it is life or death. It's not physical life or death, but it could be. It's more important. It's eternal. What we're doing as a church has an eternal impact. What we're doing as a church has an eternal impact on you, on your kids, on your family, on your neighbors, on your community. Who do we think we are? Who do we think we are individually? Who do we think we are as a church? Paul teaches us in this last chapter, we are warriors. We are warriors. Everything that he's taught us is for the purpose of us understanding we are fighters. We're warriors. There is a mission we're on, and this church is on a specific mission, and we're on it together. Now, you each have your individual missions, and I don't want you to think that you can't listen to other people. I listen to other pastors all the time, but I'm saying when it comes to your mission, being in this family, what we teach up front is so critical. It's so important, okay? So we're going to move into spiritual warfare, right? We're going to talk about Ephesians 6. It's a super famous passage. You might not have ever read it. You might not know it. But Paul is going to, he's going to show us like, yeah, this is why this is so serious. And this is how you kick the enemy's butt, okay? This is how it happens. This is the only way that it happens. Okay, and so we're going to go to our Bibles. Get your Bible out. If you, if you don't have a Bible, we love the Bible at River City Church. We believe it's the Word of God, living and active. We have these in the back of your seats. We have them down here. If you don't have a Bible, you can take one. So if you have a Bible in front of you and you don't have a Bible, get it out. It looks like this. Get out your iPhones, your iPads, laptops, whatever you brought. If you have that too, it's on page 569. I'll give you a hint. 569. All right. So if you're confused about where Ephesians is, that's okay. That's why there's page numbers in a table of contents. Okay. So I'll let you get there. Is everyone there? You getting there? Verse 10. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Okay. Says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, and with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that the words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in change, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Lord, we pray that you would proclaim your gospel boldly today and that we would hear it and that our our hearts would be opened and we would understand who we are. Um, We're going to move into this first section. I want to talk about two things. And I just realized my pages are all jacked up. Okay, yeah, there you go. Okay, so this is what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the first thing we're talking about is why, why do we need to fight? Like, what's really going on here? Because again, what the enemy wants us to believe is there's really not a battle going on, right? 
You know, C.S. Lewis talks about the enemy. He's like, yeah, we don't talk about or see demons in the United States because we've just kind of been lulled to sleep by the sea of complacency in our life, right? And you go to a third world country, you go to another country where they're desperate, they're in need, they don't have the things that we have, they're not distracted, and it's going on like Donkey Kong there, spiritual warfare. You see it, you feel it. It's going on here too. It's going on here too, just as much, because we, we are the enemy of the enemy as much as anyone is, okay? But... Um, the reason we fight is because we're in a spiritual war, okay? And, and Paul talks about this right here. He says, but on the whole, no, dang it. How did I get all this mixed up? Just put the scripture up. I need to see the scripture so I can teach from it. Gosh, you think I have the page numbers right? Okay. Oh, yeah, here we go, right here. Put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Here's the battle. He's, Paul's saying, this is what we're about. This is why it's serious. This is why we need to do what we're doing, okay? This is why we fight. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, okay? So Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of whose might? His might, okay? So he's, he's beginning by saying, you need to be strong in the Lord. You need to fight in the strength of the Lord because this is a spiritual battle. It's not a battle that you see. It's not a battle of flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle, and we need God's power. We need God's strength. We need God's weapons if we're going to compete, if we're going to win, okay? I mean, we, we, we will not if we do not have his weapons, if we do not have the things that we need. And, and let me just tell you a little bit about who we're fighting, who we're fighting for. We're fighting against the devil, okay? And the devil is God's enemy, and he has been cast out of heaven. He is filled with fury and envy. His wickedness is directed at you. His wickedness is directed at your children. His wickedness is directed at your family. His wickedness is directed at everyone in the world because he not only wants Christians to perish and go to hell, he wants everyone to perish and go to hell, so every single thing that you see is evil in this world, that is broken in this world, that is dark, that is so wrong, is a result of him. That's who we're fighting. He is trying to kill, steal, and destroy your life in every way. And you should be scared. Because I think one of the reasons we don't fight like we should is we're really not afraid. But you should be. He has the power to do things to you that you cannot imagine. And yes, if you're a Christian, you are still vulnerable to that. He attacked Jesus before he went into ministry. This is a real enemy that we have to really fight if we're going to really win. Okay, and so, that's who the devil is. Not good. Not a good guy in any way, shape, or form. Don't want to have anything to do with him. Okay, and so, and here's some of the things, here's some of the things that, um, no, go to the slide where it talks about, it says he has schemes and crafty things that he's doing to try to get us. Well, here's some of them right here, okay? He, um, he has truths and half-truths that confuse us and to make us seem like it's okay, things are okay. He quotes and misquotes scripture to us. He masquerades, this is all things the Bible says about him, he masquerades as an angel of the light. How scary is that? I saw an angel. It was the devil, Right? We're going to talk about the importance of being able to discern. That's one of the gifts 
that God gives us. But he masquerades as an angel of light. We also know, as I didn't write this down, is that he mimics the things that God does. That he will heal. He will bring transformation. He will do miracles to fool us into believing that he is on Christ, the side of Christ. Okay, he imitates God. I just said that. He causes people to become false prophets and misrepresent God to other people. He, um, he comes in to our lives and into places that we would never expect. And he promises that we can attain good things by doing bad things, by doing wrong, by doing things inconsistent with Scripture. The enemy, like, the enemy is, it says that he's a roaring lion, all right? And he is going to attack you and attack you and attack you and attack you in every opportunity that, he, that you give him, every single one. And Paul wants us to know, as he did the church in Ephesus, that this is for real. He is coming after you, and you need to take this seriously. This is what you were built for. Because not only is he evil, not only is he crafty, but he has a very organized and strategic army that has hierarchy, that has leadership, that has intention, that desires to kill, steal, and destroy. And we read this. It says, our spiritual battles against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over the present darkness, spiritual forces of evil, and the heavenly realms. His army is like the mafia, basically, right? And there's these different levels of it. We know this because whenever there's a... a We know it just because of the Greek here. We we see that. I mean, I always just think like, oh, yeah, they're just talking about demons. They are talking about demons, but they're talking about different levels of power and ability that these demons have, okay? And we we know this because there's that scripture, that story in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They all tell the story about the disciples. They're trying to do what? They're trying to cast out a demon from, from a person, and they can't do it. And Jesus goes, you know, he goes to them. He's like, bada bing, bada boom. And the demon leaves. The demon leaves. And they go, why not? And he goes, well, this one, this can't only be cast out through prayer. And, uh, and so here's what's going on. It's that they obviously had been casting out demons, right? Because they were t- trying to cast out another one. And they said, why isn't this one going away, Jesus? And Jesus walks up and he says, he does this. And he's able to do it because of his power and his authority that the disciples didn't have. And so this mamma-jamma demon, whoever it was, was messing with this person and had such an authority, such a power, he was higher up on the chain. The disciples were not able to get at him, not able to cast them out. But I'm a Christian, and I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, get out. Well, good luck with that, because it didn't work for them, and it hasn't worked for me at times, too. I've been in lots of demon casting out prayer meetings, and it doesn't happen. And we don't know why it doesn't happen. We keep praying, wanting to happen, we keep going after it. But one of the reasons it doesn't happen is because we're dealing with a spiritual authority that's higher ranked, that has more powerful, that's been strategically organized in a way that leaves us powerless to do what we need to do to build the kingdom of God. Not powerless, but we need more. We need something different. Again, the enemy, he's smart. He's smart. Okay. And that's why it's important that we grow in our righteousness, we grow in our faith, we remember our identity, we keep growing in these things. Okay, and so, after this, Paul says, okay, so that's why we need to fight, because this is a real deal, okay? And this joker's coming after you, he's coming after what's most precious to you, and he wants to take you out. And then Paul goes on to say, this is how we're going to fight. Now, 
I've taught this passage to high schoolers a lot and middle schoolers a lot, and it's like the best opportunity to go to the costume shop and just get decked out. I mean, like, decked out, illustrating each one, telling each one what it means. I'm not going to do that today, even though I was very tempted. Um, But I want to tell you more about one specific gift than all the gifts. But I do want to illustrate and talk about all the gifts, okay? Because this is how we fight. This is how we have strength. This is how we defeat the enemy if it's not against flesh and blood. It says, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Belt of truth. Truth is important. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. This is righteous, becoming like Christ, growing in Christ. The breastplate covered our front down to here and our back down to here, okay, so it covered like this section, protects the, the, the vital organs in the body, okay, righteousness, obviously important, shoes of your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, and so we have this, again, I'm not going to unpack all these, there's lots in each one of them, but basically we have this steadfastness, our, able, our ability to stand firm, how are we able to stand firm in tribulation and controversy and, and when we're fighting, well, because we have peace, we have the peace of Christ, and we're grounded in that peace, we're solid, we're grounded, we can Hold our ground, like Paul says, okay? And then it says that we can take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, I can relate to this one. Whenever I was a kid, I I grew up in, in, in South Florida. And the shield in this story is a very important, very important weapon or part of his arsenal because when things are coming at you, you have two choices. Either get hit by them or something else gets hit by them, right? When I was a kid, we used to have berry wars, right? And we had shields. Now, this is rugby's, like, little dog food shield. But they used to make, back in the day, the only kind of trash cans they had were, like, the big silver ones, right? The big silver trash can things. Well, we would have berry wars in my, in my hometown. You know, my hometown. That sounds like I'm from Narnia. Anyway, <laughs> South Florida. But they had berries. In my yard, we had berries, oranges, avocados, mangoes, carambola, macadamia nuts. And we threw them all, given the opportunity, at each other, Okay. And you just know, like, someone's going to chuck, my brother's here, he knows, someone's going to, like, chuck something at you, right? And where are you going? You're going for the shield. You're going, you're running, where, where's my garbage can? And then you're running for it, and you're getting the shield, and this is your only defense. And if, I mean, a berry or an orange or an avocado in the head? No. That does not feel good. It does not feel good. And so you have your shield that protects you from oncoming, oncoming things from the enemy, which was often my brother, Okay. And so this was my shield. And, and, and Paul's saying the same thing is important. And then Paul talks about the, 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 um, the helmet, the helmet of salvation, which is, again, these are all gifts from God that we receive. We can't make them happen. We receive all this armor from God. But then it says, and this is the one we're going to talk about, is the word of God, the spirit of God, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit and praise and supplication. Okay, so we've gone through all these. We've talked about the berry wars this year. So what, the, the, the sword is the only offensive weapon that's listed. The only one that's listed. And whenever I've always thought about this, I've thought, yeah, because I'm going to slice that mother up. He gets too close to me, and I'm going to cut him down. And, and we think of sword fighting like, you know, like, like sword fighting, right, with like a broadsword. You know, I, I, I love my kids, and they are eccentric in many ways, and um, we encouraged them to buy Christmas gifts for each other. And two years ago, Chase bought this for Blake. It's a samurai sword, and it has a sharp edge. He unwrapped it, and I thought, Chase, what are you thinking? 
what are you thinking? This could kill people, you know? And I'm just, in my mind, going through the different things that Blake is going to chop with this in our house, maybe, in our yard, hopefully not living, but all bets were off. You give a sword like this to Blake. Blake was like me. I mean, he is, you know, he's creative. And sure enough, I had to take it away from him. And um, we're not going to tell you why. But this is the kind of sword... This is the kind of sword that we think of, don't we? When we think of the spiritual armor, like, I got this sword. I'm bad mama. You know, and uh, come on, you know, we're doing all this. Got your arm. Right? And we're rolling. We think that this, this is what it looks like. This, this is what we're doing, right? And so, and so I don't think that's right, though. Well, I know it's not right because I, I learned what it all meant. But, um, and so this is what's going on here, right? And so we got our shield. We got our armor, right? And, and things are coming at us. Dark, like, what's the enemy said? Fiery darts, right? Fiery darts are coming at us. And, and we got our sword. And they're coming at us. They're coming at us. And what happens every once in a while? What happens when we stop acting like this war is real? Or we stop believing that we are who Christ says we are? What makes it through the shield? A fiery dart, right? Fiery dart makes it through. Right there, right? In between the breastplate. Gets you right here, okay? And this fiery dart is like a lie from the enemy. He's trying to convince you, you're not who you said you are. Paul's just taught us in the whole book of Ephesians, this is who you really are. We get hit with an arrow of, oh no, no, that's not who you are. You did that last night. You did that last night. And we start to believe this lie about our identity. And we stop, we stop believing that we can fight this kind of enemy. Or we get hit with the lie of, you know, of, of, of comfort. Man, why are you fighting? Just give up. Just like chill in the world. Don't worry about this. Or we get hit with a lie of envy. Or we get hit with a lie of condemnation. Or we get hit with a lie of whatever. We all have our different struggles. Addiction. We get, we get hit with a lie of, uh, there's a million of them. Our value comes in what we look like. Our value comes from what we, what we do. All these lies, as they pepper us, what happens is we stop believing we are who Paul says we are. And we stop believing that. We stop fighting. We stop fighting. And so what does Paul say? He says, the armor of God. I have an offensive weapon for you. It's the sword of the spirit. It's the Bible. Pull out the Bible. Okay? And I'm like, well, how in the world? It's the sword. We're in a battle. It's a metaphor. If I, it's not. To, well, the arrow's here. So a big long sword, right? Like... You're not lightsaber in that away. You know, you're not Obi-Wan. Uh-uh, sword got through. Sword is in you. What are you going to do with this sword? What are you going to do with this sword? There's nothing you can do with it once you've gotten hit. Well, this is what happens. Is that actually, in the Bible, this word for sword is Micaiah or something like this. And it's actually a short sword. And this is my kitchen knife, okay? So it's not... Use your imagination. Use your imagination, okay? And, um, and so what ha- this is what happens. It's this kind of sword. It's called a makara, all right? And this sword back in ancient Israel was used to slaughter animals, okay? This was the sword that was used to stab Christ on the cross. And this was the sword that Peter used to cut off the ear, I know you're thinking like, was Peter a ninja? He had that big sword and he just got his ear? I mean, it's amazing. He didn't crack him right down the middle of the skull. 
Well, this makes sense, doesn't it? Because it's easier like, oh, okay, there you go. Your ear's gone, <laughs> right? And so, so what happens is we have this sword. This is the word of the spirit, okay? This, this is what this sword is made for. One of the things that the sword like this is made for in a fight is when you get stuck with an arrow, you turn it around and you dig it into your flesh and pry the arrow out. That's what it's used for in an army, in a battle. So this is what's happening. You're fighting the enemy. You get hit with an arrow. God says, pull out the word of God. Remind yourself of who you really are. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. Let it penetrate you. Dig out the lie so that you remember who you really are. Because when we remember who we really are, that's all we need to know to win this battle. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, the long sword, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So we get attacked. We hear these lies. And God says, This is how you get on the offensive. This is how you hurt the enemy. Pick up your word. Pick up the word of God. Read what it says about who you are. Read what it says about what the truth is. Read what it says about the power that you have, that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That there's nothing that can separate you from from Christ's love no matter what you do, so, so stop believing it. And when we believe correctly about ourselves, we become very dangerous. The enemy runs from us. The enemy flees from us. The problem is is we don't believe these things. We struggle to believe these things. It's why reading the Bible, it's why we need to be students of the word. It's why the Bible is the only thing that we can trust 100% to communicate who we are. It's the only thing. Now we get words from the Lord. We have pictures from the Lord. We have ministry in the Lord. But it says that we see dimly in those things. The word of God is the most clear, most precise, most universal, most accurate representation of God's heart for you, of who you are and who you're becoming. And if we try to do life without the word, we will die. We will die. Because the arrows, I want to go like this. In this is this wood? I just want, wha-bam! Can I do that? Mm. The Bible is offensive if we allow it to penetrate us, to reveal to us who we are, to move into us, to search us, to discern us, the very core of who we are, so that we will be reminded of that, and we will fight like that was true. We will remember that there is a war. And when we, when we come up against adversity, we come up against addiction, we come up against abuse, we come up against oppression, we come up against lies, we don't fight it with just counseling. We don't fight it with just discipline. We don't fight it with just fellowship. We don't fight it with just worship. We don't fight it with just, and I could go on and on in the things of the world. We don't read more books. We don't just understand it more. No, there is only one way that you can dig out a lie of the enemy, and it's through the Word of God, allowing it to reveal the wound and the Spirit to 
Heal the wound. That's a good word. That's a, that's a tweeter. That's a tweeter. Kevin, write that down. It's going Twitter later. Right? It's only the word of God. No, there's other things are really important and they're really good, but the enemy will tempt you to try to live out of those things, live in your own strength. That's why Paul says, this is not a battle of flesh and blood. Quit reading all the self-help books. Quit doing this, quit doing this. Just get your word out. Your word is living, it's active, it's powerful. Be students of the word. Grow into the word. That's the next series we're going into. What does it mean? What does that mean to live in and out of the word? What does it mean? How do I study the word? How do I allow the word to penetrate my heart? What does that really look like? And why is it so important? We're going to do a little mini-series on that. Because it's most important when we're fighting a battle. It's most important when we're fighting a battle. So, to answer the question... Who do we think we are? Who do you think you are? We're warriors. We're warriors. But we will only fight if we really believe we are who God says we are. And the place that we find that out is in the Bible. Let's stand.